everybody, and welcome to Security Soapbox, brought to you by Lookout. Today, we're excited to sit down with somebody who is not only a true leader in the cybersecurity industry, but also a return guest to the podcast. So, Rami Husaini, thank you so much for coming back. Welcome back. How you been? Thank you, Hank, and, and, and it's great to be here. And it's been great. Uh, we last spoke in June, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a good, it's it's a good been a long time. It feels like it's uh, it's been for a while. So, Rami, last time you joined us, we had a great conversation uh, talking about some of those top security considerations that CISOs and other security leaders should be aware of as the security landscape really evolves so quickly. And even in that time, in these last 18 months or so since we since we chatted, things have really, really taken off in that regard. Um, but today, we're going to focus on a very cool new initiative that you and, and a couple of your colleagues are working on. So before we dive in, it's been about, like I said, about a year and a half since we last chatted. So what's new? What have you been up to? Uh, what's what's new in the world of Rami? Ah, a great question. What's not new should be the question. I mean, everything is moving around us at uh, frenetic speed and uh, pace. And I think it's, uh, you know, we, you and I, I think, uh, had the last session entitled Fast and Furious. Well, I think it's definitely the next installment of Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> AI has taken the world, our world, by storm. And I think uh, we are all, like, realizing that... Uh, AI would be a driver, a vehicle for outer performance for organizations, but at the same time, it's introducing or amplifying uh, some cybersecurity risks. So this has been a core focus for us, I mean, uh, as a community, but for me personally, to really reflect and understand that technology stack and make sure that we are anticipating uh, some of the issues. I, I think that, uh, you know, capacity to scale our response and to be able to deal with uh, at the pace of things that is coming at us is continuing to be a, an important consideration. So figuring out how we can leverage also AI for our core needs uh, as a cyber ecosystem, uh, that's really key. Uh, but I've also been reflecting on resilience, you know, resilience of our ecosystem, especially when you think about all the, the global turbulence and what we see in terms of the learnings from COVID, uh, the fact that we discovered that our supply chain is truly global, truly interconnected, and that what may happen a thousand miles away from our shores could have a downstream impact that is quite material, uh, that it impacts our social economic development and impact our uh, operations. So, you know, this is the concept that led me to really reflect on where I see gaps. And the core gap is really around cyber uh, poverty. Uh, for me, uh, this means uh, in concrete terms, the asymmetry uh, that we see the, the growing gap between the cyber have and the cyber have not. Uh, there are mature pockets uh, that, from a cyber perspective that have talent, that have resources, that have uh, innovation from a cybersecurity perspective to deal with some of the challenges and the threats. But then there are some underserved segments globally uh, in both uh, emerging and mature market uh, that feel left behind. And this is an important uh, consideration for us uh, because obviously if we are living in this uh, deeply interconnected world, uh, blind spots, uh, easy target are going to impact us uh, whether we like it or not. Right. And and I do want to get into that a little bit 
here, um, especially as you know, people are saying that data is arguably the most valuable asset uh, out there right now. People are saying it's more valuable than than oil, than gold, whatever it may be. Um, the difference being that everybody has data. Not everybody has oil or gold. So, um, you know, with with it being such a valuable asset, no one's going to say it's you know it, anything other than it's critically important to be able to protect it. But to your point, not every organization has those or, or individual, right, has those resources uh, to be able to protect themselves and protect this high value asset. So um, you started to go into a bit of what cyber poverty, uh, you know, really means and what the concept is behind it. Um, but, you know, what in, in, in your mind, what's really the core critical challenge around it and why is it why is it something we need to address now? Yeah, so definitely for me, data is the new gold and not just the oil. So, <laughs> I mean, especially uh, AI has uh, reinforced uh, the, the importance of data. I mean, we see that you are going to have uh, differentiation, total business model reinvention by leveraging AI applications that consume data uh, from different sources. And I think that being able to control in a way, the data, be, be able to secure it, to govern it, is going to be a defining challenge uh, for us uh, in this uh, AI uh, era. Uh, so back to your question, I mean, cyber uh, poverty, uh, why this is important in the context of what we just said. Um, you cannot, in a way, control the flow of data. You know that you rely on an ecosystem of uh, third parties, uh, that you have uh, an expanded supply chain, that you, uh, in your enterprise context, will rely on these various uh, players, but also you in your normal operational context as a private citizen, you consume digital services from different sources. So if we are in a situation where your data is going through all these, in a way, pipes, and uh, some of them are well-protected, others are less so, you are going to be impacted by uh, the weakest link and not being subject to an attack. And we see that it's an easy target, uh, you know, for these sort of organizations that have limited capabilities, limited talent and limited understanding of cybersecurity uh, to really protect the data, protect your data, my data, and, and to secure uh, their contribution to the digital value chain of the society. Um, we need to understand that a lot of these uh, underserved segments and, uh, if you will, the cyber poor segment, their first exposure to cybersecurity is when they actually have a cyber event which is less than ideal. They discover that they should have invested more, that they should have had some degree, some controls. They face an interesting challenge because they actually onboard cybersecurity actors while dealing with a fire. So this is similar to you having a fire at your home and then negotiating the rate of extinguishing the fire with your firefighter. So those are not like really ideal uh, scenarios for that uh, discussion to happen. I mean, this is like a super reactive approach. We need to take a step back, understand that a minimal level of cyber hygiene is quite important. And I, I, I salute what CISA 
it has been doing in terms of uh, highlighting uh, the critical uh, national infrastructure, uh, contributors to that infrastructure, providers, uh, you know, that are associated with that infra- infrastructure. But in a way, we need to extend that to other actors and other segments. And we need to be able to scale this globally uh, because of the interconnectedness and the fact that we operationally day in and day out rely on a very complex web of uh, providers uh, the, from different geographies. So all of this drives us to seek cyber capability building in an effective and efficient way uh, across the globe that works, that allows us to make sure that the overall resilience of our digital ecosystem is at the right level uh, to allow us to take benefit of all the economic and social uh, fruits of uh, the development that would be a byproduct of this. One thing that I think is really interesting there is that you you mentioned the negative effect that um, that basically the the resilient like the resilience of this all the the this we talk about the supply chain and and all of this the you know the digital supply chain, whatever it may be. But I think that the conversation usually starts with at, at a very high level, a, a large organization gets breached and breached and what's sort of the trickle on effect of that. But I think that from your perspective, if I'm understanding you right, you're almost flipping it a little bit on its head. And it's, you know, we need to get all the way down to the individual and also not necessarily the individual who lives in, you know, lives in, New York or Boston or Paris or whatever it may be, but the individual maybe that lives in, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or something like that, where there is an attack on, to your point, a local hospital or a municipality or something like that. And, and the negative effects there when someone is already so entrenched in, in the economic definition of poverty. So, um, I mean, do you, does that sound about right? And, and also, do you see correlation between areas that do suffer from that, to your point earlier, the economic definition of poverty and those that actually suffer from cyber poverty as well? Uh, so look, uh, there is definitely the global angle. And mm-hmm. I thank you for highlighting this. Obviously, um, there are a lot of um, world economies uh, in emerging market, notably that are uh, betting on uh, digital uh, innovation as a way for them to to fast track their economic development and to really be able to catch up. So so we need to understand that for them this is a strategic issue. This is almost like an existential issue. So obviously mm-hmm. doing that sort of transformation and reinvention uh, of the fabric of their society by, uh, in a way, uh, uh, fast-tracking the economic development using digital. This is not going to be possible, clearly, without having cybersecurity. That's a foundational and a structural component uh, to be able to protect this uh, capacity to innovate and continue the economic development. And you're also right to highlight the fact that, yes, uh, individuals that may be impacted, sectors that may be impacted in these uh, uh, emerging economies that may be miles and miles away from where we are in uh, you know mature market, because of the connectivity in terms of our value chain, in terms of our global supply chain, we're likely to see downstream impact. Uh, so the ramifications are going to be felt 
regardless of uh, the point of origin, if you will, of uh, the impact. Uh, so it's uh, definitely there is that uh, tsunami effect uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I will I would say, uh, having said all of this, uh, that this is not uh, a a point or an issue that is exclusive to these emerging economies. You can be in a a very mature market, a market where there is a cybersecurity strategy at the, you know, at the national level. uh, But at the same time, uh, you have a vibrant ecosystem of cybersecurity players uh, that are able to equip uh, the vast majority of the ecosystem with some level of protection. And within these mature economies, you still have some underserved pockets. Uh, So I go back to my point about uh, individuals today, when you receive these emails, uh, your data may have been breached, uh, you know, you may have been impacted. Look carefully, who are basically these emails emanating from? Are they coming from large enterprises? Yes, sometimes. But most of the time, they're coming from SMBs. They're coming from small structures. They're coming from small city governments. So these are basically the cyber poor, uh, as we define them. Uh, And these are basically uh, the target for this platform. And what Cyber Poverty Line Institute uh, is trying to do is really create a global enablement platform so that we can actually uh, connect the dot between these unmet needs and all the innovation, all the capabilities uh, that our uh, vibrant cyber ecosystem at the global level uh, can provide. Uh, so it's really creating an alignment of incentive. This is not about providing free cyber capabilities uh, to, to help, but it's about ensuring that we are connecting in a way the unmet needs with uh, essentially uh, the supply side uh, so that we are collectively driving for better outcomes from a cyber perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, given, I mean, from research that you know we see out in the world, research that we do here at Lookout, um, you know, we see a lot of threat actor groups, individuals who intentionally target what you just what you just termed as the cyber poor. And I think it's I think it's good to uh, to call out that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's just people in places that you know in third world countries or or, or places that don't necessarily have the infrastructure to support this. You know, it could really be uh, it could really be anyone. Um, and you know, even even more recently, we've seen a lot where uh, people are targeted in areas of you know social social political unrest, whatever it may be. Um, so, from your point of view, and, and we don't necessarily have to talk about specific you know specific organization specific use cases, but are there any uh, trends that you've seen recently where if this issue of cyber poverty had been addressed or was or was already actively being addressed in a way that that you guys are aiming to do, uh, where uh, issues may have been less impactful or, or maybe not even have happened at all? That's a great question. So, so maybe uh, two, two answers. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with the one that is a bit of an inconvenient truth, uh, and it's a reflection on our cyber ecosystem today. Uh, today, I think we can all agree that there is less and less a correlation between the uh, spend on cybersecurity and the actual outcome in terms of risk reduction. I mean, I think we've seen from recent incidents that you can have uh, organizations that have recognized the strategic importance, the material 
aspect of cybersecurity that have dedicated resources and yet uh, they are in a way they fall victim to an attack sometimes mm-hmm. sophisticated but most of the time while it could be sophisticated could have been prevented we're having some uh, you know true defense in depth and some basic foundational controls uh, so all of this point to an interesting uh, dilemma or contradiction is that you could be uh, incredibly uh, rich in terms of your cyber spend and yet still be cyber poor in terms of your posture. Uh, so we're talking about a very dynamic concept. You know, the threat environment, as you know, uh, evolves rapidly. Uh, there are new actors. Uh, there are new uh, TTPs uh, that needs to be monitored and really um, uh in a way, uh, tested against uh, in in any environment. So this uh, active monitoring of the threat environment should result in a recalibration of defenses. So this point of the cyber uh, poverty line, we could think about this as you could be cyber rich from a funding perspective, from an allocation of resources, but cyber poor in terms of your outcomes and in terms of your true risk posture. Uh, It's a contradiction, uh, but Mm -hmm. bear with me. I mean, I think if you are able to position yourself in real time, where do I stand vis-a-vis this cyber poverty line? Do I want to be an easy target compared to my industry, other actors, other, in a way, peers? Uh, how do I allocate my uh, cyber talent, my cyber resources? So there is an element of smart cyber economics that come into play, which is quite important. Now, if we talk about the underserved segment, which they start with, we have limited resources. Well, it's still economics that drives their investment decisions. They have limited uh, capabilities, they have access to limited resources. So uh, I would say the right spend on cyber and uh, the optimal allocation of resources is even more critical uh, to them. So it's very important that we're able to shift the dialogue uh, from simply um, a checklist approach to cybersecurity to really understanding the threat environment, understanding the operational environment, and being able to then uh, curate the controls and select the ones that will provide the adequate protection uh, that will get us over the cyber poverty line. Right. And so, with all of that in mind, I always, um, you know, when I, whenever I hear of a new initiative happening, sort of wonder what what drove it, right? Obviously, this is something you're very passionate about. This is something that is a challenge that that you you and your colleagues feel really needs to be addressed. And I think everyone would agree with that. I don't think there's anyone who's gonna say that that, you know, this isn't a good use of, of resources. But um, you know, I'm I'm curious of whether was there sort of a, like a tipping point? You know, whether I don't know if it was a specific was there a specific time and place where you were kind of sitting there and maybe talking with somebody or reading something and saying, you know, we really have to do something about this and, and really drove you to, to take action or, or what really, what really kind of drove you and your team to, to create the, the Institute itself? 
so there were a couple of episodes, uh, you know, from my, <laughs> uh, you know, from my basically uh, professional uh, history that led me to this realization. Uh, one was related to me working within financial services with an actor that really focused on financial inclusion and uh, amplified this message of how can we make sure that we don't have underbanked uh, in a way uh, populations that we still provide them with access to financial product, even though they may not have a traditional uh, banking relationship because of the fabric of the society, because of other constraints, limitations. So I, I, I saw uh, firsthand that that's such a powerful uh, uh, objective to have because obviously financial exclusion uh, can in a way lead to a lot of forms of exclusion and uh, reduces the potential of our world population in terms of what they can do, what they can achieve. So I think from a societal perspective, this is a very, and also an economic perspective, this is like an important consideration. So I saw the parallel between financial inclusion and also the topic of digital and then related to digital cyber, you know, exclusion. Uh, is there a parallel to be made? Uh, and today it's true. I mean, we do have situations where uh, some actors are and some uh, parts of our society have access to certain resources, are able to consume certain capabilities and others aren't as equipped and as, as fortunate. And that creates uh, this exclusion. So that's the exclusion aspect. The, the second aspect that was also, the second episode that I thought was also revealing, I was discussing with the um, with a former uh, government uh, uh, executive that was really uh, having a pretty big responsibility uh, and I was curious to understand how his security, his own cyber hygiene has evolved since he retired uh, from his uh, high profile, you know, high target type of uh, position. Right. And I was very surprised to see that uh, his level of protection at the individual level was very much reliant on him being careful and not necessarily having a stack of control. Uh, so, so then that really uh, prompted me to think, uh, how can we be in a situation where our enterprise context, whether it's a big government or big enterprise, is really uh, well-equipped to protect us, but then as we operate in our environment as normal, you know, quote-unquote citizens, we are exposed to a lot of bad things, uh, you know, by the fact that our ecosystem may not be as resilient and also by uh, the product of the fact that we are not necessarily uh, the, the target uh, in terms of uh, being the target audience for a lot of this cybersecurity innovation. And we're not able to, to derive benefit from a lot of the innovation out there that might be available to us in an enterprise uh, context. So these two events and these two, in a way, uh, uh, scenarios led me to, to really reflect on this and, and come up with a view that we cannot accept 
an asymmetry and we cannot accept uh, incapabilities, but we cannot accept such a gap to exist because obviously it will lead us to having blind spots in our overall resilience and it will lead us to think that we are protected, but in reality to have very easy uh, fault lines in our ecosystem that would be easy to uh, leverage uh, by uh, an, uh, a threat actor. And of course, this could lead to um, you know, impact that would be negative for us uh, at the individual level, but for societies, for economic trade, and, and so on. So that's really what drove you know, this initiative and mm-hmm. what drove basically the desire to amplify what's being done globally on cyber capability building, but coming at it from a slightly different angle. This is not like a public uh, initiative. This is driven by uh, seasoned uh, professionals that have more understanding of the cybersecurity ecosystem and the opportunities to connect the dot between these unmet needs to create a win-win incentives where the cyber ecosystem can thrive, can conquer new segments, and at the same time, we provide enhanced resilience uh, for the overall uh, society. I mean, that's <laughs> that's that that's pretty that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's I think having uh, you know we need we need more people like you to to see things like this and really and really take action. And I think that you know to your point about this being something that's you know it's good to have you know public publicly driven programs and all that but but for for you and folks like you your colleagues i mean you guys have just such a such a wealth of knowledge and understanding having really been boots on the ground with all of this and and understanding like you said sort of how to drive uh both both the need but also um doing it in a way that that really drives results um and and so i one thing i would love to to you know let people know on here is you know if people want to get involved uh, with the institute or with the initiatives, uh, what what can they do? Who can they reach out to? How can they reach you? Um, we want to get the word out about this because this is this is a pretty incredible uh, initiative you're taking on. Well, thank you, Hank, for this opportunity. So first of all, I will point them to our website, cyberpovertyline.org. Okay. I think that that would be a good starting place to understand uh, how we define this issue of cyber poverty in more words than I've been able to <laughs> cover today, uh, but also to take a look at uh, the pledge, uh, the cyber poverty pledge, which is our manifesto, our call for action uh, to actors in different capacity, uh, representing uh, different, uh, in a way, ecosystems uh, to join us, uh, to join us in this mission uh, to eradicate cyber poverty, to, to create a coalition of willing actors that are going to uh, look into what could be done uh, to address this in a systemic and a sustainable way. Uh, so, so that would be like really a good starting place. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we also want to make sure that we get new ideas, uh, that we get connected uh, to existing initiatives, because I believe that our core mission is to amplify the impact of existing initiative. It's not necessarily uh, to recreate uh, new frameworks or recreate uh, completely new paradigms. I think a lot could be done in amplifying uh, the impact of existing initiatives, connecting the dot, 
uh, ensuring that we have the right level of dialogue about these issues. So yeah, that would be like a good starting point for anyone that feels uh, uh, engaged, passionate about this topic as uh, you and I are. Absolutely. And, and that's something I know that uh, I'll definitely be, be looking into and uh, hopefully we can do some do something with you here at Lookout as well. Um, but we'll uh, we'll have that conversation uh, off off offline here. But um, that's all the time we do have for today. Rami, thank you. As always, it's, it's always an absolute pleasure to have you on here. The pleasure was mine, Hank. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, see you again. Maybe uh, it'll be the AI version of you and I that will be having this conversation. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you and I are one of, or, or each one of a kind. I don't think AI can can copy us, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see about that. Thank yeah, you. exactly. Ch- challenge accepted. Um, <laughs> but to to our listeners, thank you for uh, for tuning in, Rami. Thank you again, and we'll see everybody uh, on our next episode of Security Soapbox. Have a good one. Bye.